It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors lose a hard-fought game in Denver 118-113, which was fair and even until the last 90 seconds or so, when after a season of vowing to never talk about the referees, I'm breaking that vow today. Thanks, Scott Foster. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1354 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, March the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube each and every day. Please make us your first listen of the day and go and subscribe to the YouTube version of the show. You can see my face. What what, what better uh, sales pitch is there than to look at me for 30 minutes every single day. On today's show, we are going to talk about the Raptors' hard-fought yet very disappointing and heartbreaking loss to the Denver Nuggets, which was kind of taken out of their control. Not entirely. They did some things to hand this one over to Denver as well. But for the most part, we can lay blame for this one at the feet of the guy who looks like the bad guy from Uncut Gems, Scott Foster. We will dig into that. We will talk about OG Ananobi and his incredible work guarding Nikola Jokic. We've got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up. But... Let's begin, shall we, with the uh, the sort of the, the unfortunate elephant in the room. It was a fantastic basketball game last night as well. The schedule kind of made it so this was one of the only games going on at the time it was going on. It seemed like there were a lot of eyeballs transfixed on Raptors Nuggets as the Raptors gave the Nuggets everything they could handle, and it was ruined by a ref show. And like I said off the top, I have taken a vow this season to not talk about the refs. I don't think the refs by and large, really matter to the outcome of games. I think it usually comes out in the wash, but sometimes you get these little acute moments where it's just undeniable that the presence of a referee and the ego and whatever the hell Scott Foster's got going on with him uh, is directly responsible for changing the course of a game. And I'm just going to take you right now to the numbers. Inpredictable.com is a wonderful website, and they can track NBA win probabilities based on all of the games that have happened before and all of the games, uh, all the information that has been collected from said games and to sort of determine, you know, win probabilities. So you get in this game, it's 114-113 Nuggets with 28.1 seconds to go. At this point, uh, the Raptors have already had a couple of challenges go against them, just totally slowed the game down for these reviews. 
you know, I, I think you could probably go either way on a couple of those calls. You know, the first one where Scotty Barnes gets hung up with Nikola Jokic, as Jack Armstrong said, probably just a play on, I think. It could have been a foul on Jokic. I think it was probably just a play on. It sucks that the review went against the Raptors. They lose their last timeout, which is important, obviously. And so that one stinks. The Scotty Barnes free throws, I, I think, you know, he kind of moved his arm and pushed off Jokic. I think you can kind of say, yeah, maybe it's fair the Raptors didn't get free throws out of that, even though I think it was technically a loose ball foul. I, it was weird. I, I don't take a lot of, you know, umbrage with that one either necessarily. It sucks that two reviews went against the Raptors in the course of like 25 seconds, but sometimes them's the breaks. It's when you get down to a kind of phantom call on Jakob Pertl sliding over doing his typical very good defense thing. I believe it was Aaron Gordon driving in from the baseline. Uh, Yak comes over, stands and makes a beautiful defensive stand, I thought. Instead, it's called a foul, which is really frustrating. Uh, and, you know, so th- that that's one. I think you, that's probably the most glaring on-court foul call that went against the Raptors. I don't think that was a foul. And you could talk yourself into the Raptors in that situation, getting a defensive stop out of that possession if there is no whistle called, and it being a one-point game for the Raptors to go on down and try to get a winning bucket or a bucket to go ahead, again, with only 28 seconds left to play. At this point, uh, if you go to Impredictable, you just plop in all the game information, a one-point Nuggets edge with the Raptors having the ball with 28 seconds to go gives the Nuggets about a 61% win probability per Impredictable. So, look, it's entirely possible the Nuggets would have won this game regardless of the Scott Fostering that happened all over the place, but the chance was taken away. A three-point edge there, just assume you give those free throws to Aaron Gordon, he goes and knocks them both down, and it's a three-point game, 116-113. It's a 90.2 win probability percentage for the Denver Nuggets. That is also, you know, pretty tilted odds against the Raptors, for sure, but again, I don't think that was a foul to begin with, so it's dumb they would have been in that spot to begin with anyway. Um, you know, maybe Aaron Gordon hits a tough shot over Yaka Pirtle, has that, had that play continued, maybe it ends up in a three, we don't know, but either way, the foul was bad and stupid, and set this whole course of events into action. Then you get Scotty Barnes getting ejected for seemingly not saying a whole lot on his first technical of the game, which is very rare to see, and Scott Foster tosses him and like does so emphatically while his other officiating partners look back in kind of stunned amazement. A really bad decision, stupid decision, inserting yourself into a very close and fun game at the end of it like that. Extremely frustrating, awful to see, really, really disappointing, not just for Raptors fans, but for anyone. Again, lots of eyeballs on this game. It was one of the only games in town at the time. I think Kings Pelicans had just started at this time or was about to start. Either way, it might have been a halftime. Whatever you want to say. This was a game where a lot of people were watching and all of them were robbed of getting to see this game, which was awesome. Back and forth, really interesting matchup wise, come to a proper conclusion. And with that technical free throw, not to mention Scotty Barnes getting tossed, but with that technical free throw, makes it a four point lead, brings the Nuggets win probability up to 95.7%. So in, in theory, a potential 36 percentage point swing in the Nuggets favor just based on this sequence of bad call that shouldn't have been called to begin with, technical on Scotty Barnes, it sucks. And look, have the Raptors just like stumbled their way into kind of competing in this game, whether from bad shooting luck uh, or good shooting luck and the Nuggets missing a whole bunch or whatever, and they didn't really play very well, you could make your peace with them losing this game. It would be kind of an earned loss. But the big bummer about all of this, the thing that really sticks in the craw, 
is that they play their asses off. This was an incredible Toronto Raptors performance, and I feel like I'm losing my mind that we didn't get to see it brought to its proper conclusion. If, even if, and look, it's entirely possible that Nikola Jokic was just going to bury some sort of backbreaking buzzer beater with some sort of stupid Jokic shot where he, you know, high arcs at 90 feet in the air over three defenders, whatever. That's entirely possible that this is how the game would have ended anyway, that yet that uh, that Nikola Jokic was going to do Jokic stuff and ruin you. But the Raptors earned the right to get messed up by Nikola Jokic at the buzzer. They did not earned the right or did not earn the the outcome that this game ended up giving them where it was essentially lost after that technical free throw went down and it was a four-point lead with 28 seconds to go you know the Yaka Pirtle free throws obviously I I think a pretty sly maybe intentional foul by Nikola Jokic that was not judged as as, judged as such sorry um you know with uh with Yak there you know it's just it's really really frustrating and disappointing and I hate it um and again this is all because the Raptors played a really excellent game you had Fred Van Vliet with an outstanding playmaking performance 14 assists just kind of ball on the string managing the middle of that floor kind of coming around that pick and roll and just options galore hitting Yaka Pirtle kicking out to shooters getting a little deeper into the teeth of the defense trying to score pulling up his own mid-range game all of that it was beautiful this was an incredible Fred Van Vliet game. You get Jakob Pertl just kind of bringing life to the offense just by being a large guy who can catch a pass and finish. Wonderful to see a continuation of what we've seen from Jakob Pertl in the very short time he's been with the Raptors where he's completely transformed the basketball team. You finish about even in the rebounding department, which is not easy because the Nuggets are the fourth best uh, rebounding team in the NBA. Uh, very good. And they're devastating as well, especially off of offensive boards. Just the way that they kind of capitalize on chaos with the way Jokic tilts the floor just by being there and the you know, chaos threes that come out of it with everybody on that roster seemingly having a 60-plus true shooting percentage. It's bananas. They're ridiculous. Um, and they survived in the glass. They scored with the Nuggets. They scored. They shot 82% at the rim in this game. They get to the line 20 times. They hit their threes. They go, I think, 10 of 27 from deep. So not a ton of attempts, but they were efficient on them. They got timely threes. And you don't have to, they didn't have to like gum this game up either on the margins, the way that you've typically seen the Raptors hang with good teams in the past. Uh, The field goals in this game, the Raptors, 43 of 86. The Denver Nuggets, 43 of 86. This was just two teams playing extremely well going at it. And it was spoiled by a damn ref show, and it's, you know, I guess in a way, kind of a perfect type of loss if you're a Raptors fan, especially like me, a toxic positivity guy, where it's like, well, they lost, but there's not really any blame you can heap upon the Raptors for it. That's nice, but it's just so infuriating to see the the ref show take over what was a brilliant game of basketball, just another in a long line of excellent games across the NBA after the All-Star break here, where it seems like everyone's refreshed, the stretch drive is very much taking over, and the Raptors had it there to at least compete to the end, whether it was going to end on a Jokic buzzer beater or a Jamal Murray dagger or whatever, they didn't get the chance to finish one this one out, and that really stinks. It really stinks. And uh, Scott Foster can go eat it. I really, I'm sick of seeing that dude's face. I'm sick of, you know, it's not like the Raptors are the only team that has felt the wrath of Scott Foster either. Uh, it seems like perhaps a trend. And maybe just Google Scott Foster Tim Donahue, if you'd like. Not to, you know, cast 
uh, would never want to, you know, call the, the dignity or the integrity of the league into question, as Scott Foster said was the reason he ejected Scotty Barnes after the game. Or, you know, wouldn't want to do that. But, my God, uh, at some point, if there's a common denominator when everybody's mad at the ref and it's usually the same greasy-looking dude, uh, maybe you should look into that. I don't know. <sighs> um... <laughs> Promised I would not talk about refs all season. Apparently there was some pent-up rage there about the officiating. Um, we will continue on here. And I talked about all the reasons why this was such a good game for the Raptors. One of the biggest reasons, I think, was OG Ananobi and the way he defended Nikola Jokic. I want to get into how they did that and also what it might mean for OG in the summertime, especially when you think about some Western Conference teams that are going to have to probably play Nikola Jokic in the playoffs and will probably lose to Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. We'll get to that and what it could all mean in just one second here. Before we do that, I've got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who make the best tasting protein bars in the game. You got to go and try them. If you have not yet, if you've not listened to my gospel on Built Bar, now is the time. It's a time of year where I think, you know, the weather's starting to turn. You might be going to do some more exercise, maybe outdoor. I know I cannot wait to get back on my bike and not have to bike through sludge and slush and snow and grossness. I'm really excited to get back out there on the bike and get myself in good shape again. But Sometimes you need a little help getting there. And for me, it's weaning off the sweets. The sweets, it's like a bad cycle. I'll eat the sweets, and then I'll feel bad, and then I'll just sit and do nothing and not exercise because I've not properly fueled my body. Built Bar is the answer to that. They have a ton of amazing flavors, all sorts of different, uh, you know, fruit-forward flavors, more chocolatey confections. They got marshmallow churro, uh, puffs, all of that stuff. It's They're delicious, and they come with 130 grams of, sorry, 130 calories, 14 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in your standard bar. That is a great way to fuel yourself through your day, replace a meal, replace the candy bar that you want to have in the middle of the afternoon just because you're at the store, and it's there at the till, and you want to grab it. You don't got to do that. You can go home and have yourself a built Bar, and the way you get the built bars into your home right now. You go to Walmart. They're in the pharmacy section. You go pick up some built bars, four box of uh, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, whatever you want. It's there. You can also go to built.com and peruse their wonderful selection of flavors, the limited time offerings that come up now and then. Go check them out. Built Bar, it's uh, delicious and it's going to help you get back in the groove of working out and not eating like crap like me. This is just me talking myself into being more healthy, but uh, join me, would you? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the Raptors' loss to the Nuggets, a game with so many positives, and it's just a bummer that they didn't get to come to fruition at the end. But the biggest of all the positives, I would say, and just something that I don't know if if it gets appreciated enough around the league. I'm sure Nikola Jokic himself appreciates it, and I know uh, I certainly am kind of even taken aback every time the Raptors play the Nuggets to watch it too, is OG Ananobi is one of the very best Nikola Jokic foils in the entire NBA. You have guys like DeAndre Ayton does a very good job with him. Bam Adebayo does a very good job with him. OG Ananobi is on the short list of dudes who make Nikola Jokic look less like some sort of basketball deity and more just like a very good basketball player. It's not easy to do. No one actually slows Nikola Jokic down fully, but we saw in this game 
OG Ananobi, and, you know, this is funny because you get Yak a in and you assume, well, Yak, finally, OG doesn't have to go bang with Nikola Jokic every time they play the Nuggets. But, uh, in fact, he did, and it's probably the, the right call because he's really good at making Jokic have to give the ball up. He doesn't allow Jokic to really get shots off. He, he face guards him so closely. He's so long. He can kind of change the angles of the passes that Nikola Jokic is going to spray around. And the Raptors were really good at limiting Nikola Jokic in the possessions where OG Ananobi was guarding him as his main uh, defender. And he was the main guy last night, guarded him way more than anybody else, almost four times as much in terms of just pure time on the clock. Per NBA.com's matchup data, 8 minutes and 12 seconds OG spent guarding Nikola Jokic in the game. Uh, The Nuggets scored just 43 points on 41 partial possessions, which is about 105 offensive rating in those specific possessions. And again, there's lots of noise in this matchup data. But as I said yesterday... They do tell you, I think, when the extremes are there and when there's stuff that really pops off the screen, I think it tells you a lot about the story of a game. And in this game, Nikola Jokic, just one of three in those 41 partial possessions guarded by OG Ananobi, he had three turnovers to five assists, uh, holding him to five assists in those situations when he only took three shots out of those positions against OG. uh, Really impressive considering what... Jokic does when you have a guy face card him so closely he's gonna make your life miserable he's gonna hit hit guys on the back cuts and everything to death he's gonna hit wide open shooters it's gonna be usually a nightmare for you to work with but the beauty of having Jakob Pertl as well is a you can send him as like a well-timed double teamer which they did a couple times with Jokic but mostly you get to have Jakob Pertl kind of roam the back line a lot in this game he was guarding Aaron Gordon and sort of leaving him to his catch and shoot game which is maybe not the best idea considering He's been banging threes in all season long, but he was 0 for 2 from 3 in this game. They didn't get burned by it, and it freed Jakob Pertl up to be that back line of defense to clean up the sort of the back cuts that leak through the dam and whatnot, and they did a pretty good job of not just getting totally, you know, the Raptors do this, right? They'll send extra attention towards stars, and it'll kill them on the back end. OG allowed them to not have to send two guys to Jokic all the time, and he's really bloody good at just banging with that dude he's not an easy he's like a really difficult load to deal with I think we saw that maybe sort of um you know manifested in the game as well and the fact that OG didn't have much offensive usage in this game that said he was crucial when he did get those looks up as well he was three of six from downtown uh got to the line four times 12 points four boards one assist like you'll take that any day coupled with the incredible defense he played on Jokic and I just I thought they did a really good job in this game. They were super disciplined. They were really good off ball in most cases. We'll get to one guy in the good, the bad, and the hmm who I thought maybe was not so awesome off ball, and that was uh, you know maybe the progenitor of a whole bunch of Michael Porter Jr. threes, but. For the most part, super disciplined. They were like very much in tune on their off-ball switching and things like that. Uh, just an excellent defensive game. And I think it mostly stemmed from OG Ananobi and his ability to just hang with Nikola Jokic one-on-one. And like at this point, it's a long-standing trend. The Raptors always play the Nuggets well, it seems. I think they've lost to them in like a blowout fashion once in the last like five years. They beat them a lot as well. They always have really strong performances. I always get up for Raptors-Nuggets games because they're always a blast. And in this case, you know, it, it's it it does feel like it's a trend now that OG Ananobi just guards Nikola Jokic better than most people. And 
that has a lot of benefits, right? Obviously, you have OG on your team. That's a really good guy to have. It's a really nice thing to have an option to throw at a guy like Jokic. You only play him twice a year. Probably never going to run into him in a finals just based on probability probability and odds. But still, uh, it's a nice thing to have, a nice luxury to know that you can go into a game against the Nuggets and not get totally murked by Nikola Jokic. But also... This expands the Raptors, I think, options in the offseason as well and makes the prospect of OG's availability potentially at the draft, for example, really intriguing. And I think maybe saves the Raptors from looking bad for not dealing OG for the reported three first-round picks, the quality of which is not so clear, back at the deadline. And it's because the playoffs are coming up. Think about the teams that are, might come across Nikola Jokic who could really use an OG Ananobi. The Suns definitely could, but they won't have the assets. You have the Warriors, though. They could have gone and, you know, done a Jonathan Kaminga and all the stuff for, for OG deal, and that might have made them a little bit more Jokic-proof in the playoffs. I know they were good against him last year, but that was with Jokic in a totally injury-ridden ragtag crew. I would pick the Nuggets to pretty summarily beat the Warriors this year, I, I think, because um, their offense is just so devastating, and the Warriors' defense hasn't quite clicked in. Um, but if you had OG, a guy you can legitimately throw along with Draymond Green at Nikola Jokic, that's huge. The Memphis Grizzlies, if they had OG Ananobi to throw there, that would be massive. The Dallas Mavericks, imagine what the Mavericks, how much they would give up right now just to get OG on their team to throw at Jokic just as an option, considering their lack of options elsewhere. You've got the, uh, the Sacramento Kings. We talked about them a little bit as a potential OG team. Imagine they had him to be a guy, especially considering DeMontis Sabonis probably is not the kind of guy you can throw against Jokic and hope to survive if you had an OG to throw against him that would be incredible too and so I think you're looking right now at a whole lot of teams out west who are probably going to lose to Nikola Jokic in some sort of embarrassing fashion at some some point in the playoffs who will then be compelled to look around the league and say hmm how do we get ourselves some sort of Jokic foil there's no Jokic stopper he's really really good but is there a guy who can give him a little bit of trouble to make it so we can compromise our defense less when we play against them? And OG might be one of the very select few guys who can do that. And so if you suffer a bad loss in the playoffs this year and are looking around at ways to address the reasons you lost to the Denver Nuggets, for example, an OG trade might make a lot of sense and it might be worth it to go and get that dude by giving up a lot of your stuff, whether it's young players, prospects, or both. And so I think there's still a chance here. You know, the Raptors could obviously just keep OG, right? The Raptors starting five has been really good still. Uh, they perform quite strongly. They're a plus 10 net rating still, even after giving up uh, a bit of a, a plus minus edge last night to Denver. Um, but you know, it's still a good looking lineup that could just be the Raptors starters for the next two, three years. That, that'd be great. But if the option comes up at the deadline where a team that has suffered a loss at the hands of Jokic is looking for someone who can just at least feign the ability to guard <laughs> Nikola Jokic, OG might be that dude, and that might be what incentivizes a team to go all in or whatever you want to say for him in a way that they didn't quite want to do at the deadline this past year. I do wonder, had the Raptors played the Nuggets before the trade deadline as opposed to both of their games coming after, would that have inspired a team that's maybe in line to play Jokic to go a little bit more all in on OG? Hard to say, but uh, it's an interesting question at least. Either way, OG rocks, and the way he guarded Nikola Jokic last night was very much worth its own segment, I think. It was really, really fun to see. And again, the way 
it allowed Jakob Pertl to kind of be that backline guy uh, and, you know, not have to pull Yak away from the basket, and which would have, I think, neutralized a lot of the rim protection he clearly offers. Uh, just a really great luxury for the Raptors to have, and uh, certainly an argument in favor of just keeping OG Ananobi around, which I'm certainly not opposed to either if, uh, you know, the, the returns on this starting five continue to look good, and it looks like you can kind of build something with upward mobility after whatever this stretch of season is going to bear. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. I got Nick Nurse. I got Pascal Siakam. I've got general Denver Nuggets appreciation. That's all coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, I've got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. It's the midway point of the NBA season. Well past that, actually. Now we're into the stretched run, and it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use as well. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. Plus, my favorite way to do this, the FanDuel same game parlay allows you to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. I think that's the great way to go. If you're watching a specific game, maybe you're in the building for the game. This is, again, I, I've said this before, but this is how I like to sports wager. I don't often do it kind of in my general day-to-day, but if I'm at a game and I want to juice up the live experience, I'll do a little same game parlay, have some fun with that with some low money, and it'll be a great grand old time. Don't miss out to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked On to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and Locked On. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, breaking down the Toronto Raptors' loss to the Denver Nuggets. I'm really excited that these teams get to play again in just under a week's time. That's going to be a blast. And I will have Matt Moore from Locked On Nuggets on for a segment sometime between now and then just to talk about the way the Raptors Nugget matchup. Really, I think just it's fun. It pops. There's like some interesting stylistic stuff going on there. And especially now with Jakob Pertl, I think it's like a, a pretty interesting sort of long-standing trend now that the Raptors play the Nuggets extremely well. And uh, we'll get to that and uh, get talk with Matt a little bit later on this week. But... Let's dive in now to the good, the bad, and the hmm, shall we? Which is uh, the way we rounded every Toronto Raptors recap episode on this here podcast. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that is a little interesting to me or just a burgeoning trend, or in this case, uh, maybe a plea to the listeners out there, a suggestion, if you will. Let's begin with the good, though. And I thought in this game, credit once again, I think, goes to Nick Nurse and I know it's been a hard road for him this season, and there's been a lot of frustration. We talked about the way they guarded Nikola Jokic. I thought that was the right way to go about it. There could have been other ways they did it too, but just using OG as that sort of Jokic face-guarding guy, really useful, really effective, and I thought that was a good call. But mostly, I thought Nurse did a great job kind of managing the fourth quarter sub-patterns in this game. I know the Raptors lost this game by 10 in the fourth quarter, uh, 35-25. A lot of that came sort of, uh, you know, four or five of those points were... (laughs) 
part of the whole Scott Foster nonsense that went down. So it's hard. It's a little inflated. But, you know, they, they lost the plot in this game. They were leading and they lost. That's that's a bummer. Um, but I still think Nick Nurse ran and sort of managed that fourth quarter really well. You had that bench unit of Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Boucher, and uh, Will Barton out there. And after a little bit of a hairy start to the fourth quarter, Big Will Barton three, um, you know, Gary Trent Jr. kind of in his bag. They get enough out of that group. I think they win that stretch of minutes, 10 to 9, which is massive. They bring Pascal back in. They bring Scotty back in. They bring OG back in. And they, you know, kind of hold up, whatever. Things get a little bit hairy just under the six-minute mark. It seems like they're buying some minutes for Fred Van Vliet. Super valuable. Didn't seem. They did that. They, They bought minutes for Fred. They call a timeout around 5.40, and then they bring Yak and Gary Trent Jr. back in. Instantly, they run a beautiful out-of-timeout pick-and-roll, and it gets an easy bucket for Yak Pertle, I believe. And, like, it's just, oh, man, this is just the, having these different beats and rhythms of the game where you can bring in a couple of guys, change what you've done on offense for the last few minutes, throw a different look at the other team. Super valuable, super important, and really well executed. And then... I thought for a second they might close with Gary Trent Jr. in place of Scotty Barnes. They took Barnes out for a couple minutes. He made a pretty bad uh, gaffe not getting back to, uh, I want to say it was Bruce Brown in transition uh, to lead to that timeout around the 540 mark. And, you know, I thought maybe Scotty was going to sit for the rest of the game. I thought maybe they needed the Gary Trent Jr. offensive punch to hang with the Nuggets. As it turned out, I wrote in my notes of this game around this time, they might have to bring Scotty back in here for his off-ball defense just because Trent is not a great defender and Jokic obviously makes your off-ball defense paramount and as much as Scotty struggled defensively this season most of that's been an on-ball sort of guarding smaller quicker players he's been really good as like a help defender as a free safety type and instantly they bring him back in at 355 and the very first possession he blows up a Jokic Murray two-man game knocks it out of bounds the Raptors get possession back thought that was a really well-timed sub and exactly what the Raptors needed in that moment and, you know, ultimately leads to Scotty getting ejected, which is a massive bummer, but I thought the sub was smart. But again, it kind of speaks to the different options Nick Nurse has now. He can go with those more offense-heavy lineups. He can go super small. He can go big um, and kind of use those six players in different combinations and really see how they work. But either way, I thought it was a well-managed fourth quarter for Nick Nurse. Uh, good restraint from him not getting more techs down the stretch, I would say. Um, normally, he's kind of uh, quick with the, the the trigger to get the say the magic words and get teched. He didn't do that. Um, super big bummer that uh, a well-coached game from Nick Nurse goes down the tubes due to the referee situation once again. But uh, I thought he did a good job. Let's go to bad. This was, I thought, one of the worst Pascal Siakam games you'll you'll see, really. I, I don't know if you'll see games where he kind of struggles in so many elements. You know, you miss some bunnies here and there. Um, particularly, I thought, you know, there were a couple possessions kind of uncharacteristic. I know sometimes he's a little probing, he takes his time. But there were a couple possessions where it kind of looked like the bubble in 2020, where he was like trying to post up Bruce Brown or Aaron Gordon, and it just didn't work, and he wasn't getting anywhere with it and refused to pass out. I don't think that's like a burgeoning trend or anything like that. I thought he was trying to get buckets for his team. And, you know, I I don't hate him doing that, but it just didn't really fit the moment. And it was not really characteristic of what we've seen from Pascal these last couple seasons. Really, it was kind of bizarre to see those pounded into the ground possessions. And then I thought his off-ball defense, especially relating to Michael Porter Jr., was pretty rough. Um, You know, just kind of falling asleep, helping at the wrong times, kind of leaving Michael Porter Jr. alone in the corner as though he's some sort of bricklayer who you want to take threes. Side note, Michael Porter Jr., like, that three-point stroke is so 
gorgeous and horrifying when it goes up. I just feel like it's going in every single time. Seems like a bit of a weird dude. <laughs> like, obviously, the injury stuff with MPJ is there, too. But uh, pretty terrifying player when he's on his best and, and hitting those threes. Because that, that three-point stroke is absolute butter. And uh, the fact that he's 6'10", 6'11", can, can put it up is pretty nasty as well. It's almost unfair. Either way, not one of the better Pascal Siakam games. He did hit that big jumper late, um, which you know was felt very in rhythm, felt very much kind of par for the course in this game, where they were punching right back at the Nuggets pretty much start to finish up until the end. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, not the best Pascal Siakam game, so he's the bad for this one. I don't think it's some sort of uh, burgeoning trend. Like I said, he's going to be fine. He's uh, He looked pretty gassed in this one, honestly. Maybe the altitude was at play. Um, and he still made, like, highlight real defensive plays and had a beautiful pick-and-roll possession with Jakob Pertl, for example. I actually really like that Siakam-Pertl pick-and-roll duo. And there's not a ton of shooting threat there, but... As a defender, or two defenders, you're sitting there with just, like, two dudes who are all limbs and size charging at you, and it's like, Siakam can pull up for the mid-ranger, he can go all the way to the bucket, he can dump it off to Yak, there's a lot of options there, it's sort of a fun, weird, quirky, funky pick-and-roll that I like quite a bit. Either way, not the best Siakam game, that's alright. Let's get to the hmm, shall we? And this is more, less a hmm, and more of a sort of just a suggestion. I know everyone's mad that the Raptors lost to the Nuggets last night. I know, you know, the foul situation wasn't ideal. But the Nuggets should be like your second rooting interest, I think. Like, they are just everything that's good about basketball. Playmaking big men, obviously I'm a big sucker for. People who listen to this show know that. But Jokic just plays basketball so beautifully so effortlessly yet he also has to just like bang with dudes non-stop you see like the gashes on his arms just from the amount of like contact he absorbs and takes and, and, and initiates and all of that um you know Jamal Murray is an absolute blast to watch. Even Aaron Gordon, who obviously on the Magic was like the bane of Toronto Raptors fans' existence. I have to admit, Aaron Gordon on the Nuggets is cool and good. I don't know what to say. He's awesome. And he plays just a really great brand of basketball. Um, their defense is coming around too. So if you're like worried about them being bad defensively, I think they're up to 12th in defense right now in the league. Um, they have really great hands and like the deflections. They like they play hard. They they don't like give up possessions. They force extra possessions just because they try. Bruce Brown's a cool bench player. Um, you know they're just a cool team, man. And Jokic is incredible. I think you should want Jokic to go deep in the playoffs, mostly because I think uh, like the the discourse if he doesn't is going to be totally insufferable. And like, how many times do we have to do this thing with like all time great players who just haven't won as quickly as people want to see them win? Where we just like denigrate them and call them trash? It sucks. I hate it. It's like the the biggest downside of rings culture or whatever. Um, you should be rooting for Jokic to go deep and just like put to rest any of those sort of burgeoning things. Like you're already seeing people be like if he doesn't win the title this year we're gonna be mean to him and like that's stupid just watch the great basketball player play great basketball please the Nuggets rock they should be your second rooting interest uh I don't think there's really a second choice in the Western Conference um and they're a total blast anyway that's my that's my hmm it's not really a thing to uh you know look forward to with the Raptors or anything like that it's more of a what do you do after the Raptors are eliminated eventually 
rooting for the Nuggets, I think, is the way to go. Either way, we're going to round it out there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Katie Heinle is going to pop on the show. Hopefully, I'll be less, uh, you know, just blah. <laughs> I feel very energized and angry and uh, just, like, juiced up after that game last night. Also very happy because it was an encouraging game for most of it for the Raptors, which was cool to see as well. Uh, Katie will be back tomorrow. We'll probably have, like, a bigger picture conversation about where, where things sit. We'll recap Raptors-Lakers on Thursday with our pal Jamar Hines. In fact, Jacob will be along Friday. Loaded week for you. Great guests the rest of the week. Your faves, all that. Uh, in the meantime, go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs. It's a wonderful podcast hosted by wonderful people, Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. They are covering all there is to know about the Toronto Maple Leafs as they make the push towards an absolutely pivotal playoff run. It's going to be different this year, guys. They're going to get through the first round, right? Right? Go listen to Locked On Leafs. Uh, support Locked On Raptors on YouTube. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. And we will be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye bye. Screw you, Scott Foster. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.